It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Well, the rally falls short. Uh, that was a absolutely preposterous and ridiculous baseball game. Let's talk about it all today on Locked On Tigers. You are Locked On Tigers, your daily Detroit Tigers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another edition of Locked On Tigers. I'm, of course, your host, Scott Bentley. Today is Wednesday, July 19th, 2023. Thank you so much for making Locked On Tigers your first listen. Every single day, we are free and available wherever you get your podcasts, including YouTube, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team. Every day, today's episode is brought to you by Sleeper. Swing for the fences on Sleeper Picks, and you could win up to 100 times your money. Download the Sleeper app and use promo code Lockdown, and you'll get up to a $100 match on your first deposit. Terms and conditions apply. See Sleeper's terms of use for details. Currently operational in over 30 states. Check out Sleeper today. All righty. Well, that was ridiculous. That that was that was uh, like unfathomable. I I don't know. I, I let's just I, I, let me say this, okay? First, let let's start with this. I despise the Kansas City Royals. I despise them, and and this is like the the fan in me, not the analyst in me. Okay, so like let let me just. Be a, a, a blind, you know, like like see dead red fan for a second. I cannot stand this baseball team. It doesn't matter. My entire I'm I was born in the late 90s, right? For my, my entire life, it has not mattered how good the Detroit Tigers are or how bad the Kansas City Royals are. It is impossible for the Tigers to just play the Royals and have a normal freaking series. I almost just dropped an F-bomb. It's impossible. It's never happened in my life since I've been in, since I've been in, since I was rather in elementary school, my father and I have had an ongoing joke. This is 20 years running pretty much that doesn't matter how good the Tigers are, how bad the Royals are. Royals are going to beat them tonight. It's ridiculous. I cannot stand them. The 2015 Royals made my, 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 ah, 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 I, it's, 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 I can't even put into words. Clearly I can't even truly depict and, and articulate how much I didn't like the 2015 and 14 Kansas city Royals complete and utter, just dislike to put it kindly. And, and games like this are brutal reminders of why. It is impossible for these two teams to lace them up and for something just totally normal to happen. Golly. Oh, my goodness. Okay, that's not analysis, though. That's just frustration. Um, the rally falls short. A 10-11 to 11 final. For the Detroit Tigers on Tuesday night. 
You know, as much as this was ridiculous, that is the word for it. This game was absolutely ridiculous. Um, There was a lot that went right. Uh, It's just that there was also a lot that went wrong. A lot. Okay? Uh, People in sports these days love finding the scapegoat. They, They, people just love it, right? Whose fault is it? Whose whose fault is it 100%? Whose whose fault is it completely? I don't subscribe to that. I don't think that exists. I, I I certainly at times some moments and and plays happen and whatnot where there's a highlight on one person and it's more of someone's quote unquote fault than another. But especially in a game like baseball, it's so difficult for me to just go oh you know it's one so you know after the game the entire fan base is like oh like it's like this game is on blank and then this you know this game was this person's fault whatever there were like this was a a a team effort of a catastrophe this is not one person hinch a little bit Anybody who stepped on the mound, not named Jose Cisnero, really, or Jason Shreve, certainly responsible. Not good outings by really any of them at all. The defense held hands, closed their eyes, and and, and hummed a tune together with their awfulness. That didn't even make sense. Like, this is not a, a, a one-person point-and-blame scenario. This was absolutely ridiculous. And I'm going to say that a million more times, and I've already said it a million times. But that is what a 10-11 to 11 baseball game with six runs scored in the last two innings is. It's ridiculous. What an unbelievable brand of baseball. So, when people ask me, why are you so pessimistic about the Tigers still I think they can make a run whatever in the last two weeks they've lost a game to the Royals in which they gave up 11 and the A's in which they gave up what 10 11 12 somewhere around there that's that's part of the reason why dog (laughs) there's just no consistency they haven't, I, I think it was, I think it was Mark Gorosh on Twitter tweeted out, like, they haven't won three games in a row since the first week of May. The first week of May was the last time we went on a three-game win streak. I, I'm sorry. That's a, that's, they've played some bad teams in that stretch. They've played the Royals multiple times. They've played the Oakland Athletics. They've played the Colorado Rockies. They've played the Pirates, who have been awful since mid-May. So, there you go. Like, yes, they fought hard at the end. Absolutely true. I give them credit for that. I really do. But this is the 2023 Kansas City freaking Royals. You should not have been in the position... To have to score five runs in the ninth to force extras against the 2023 Kansas City Royals. They are awful. 
Okay. We'll talk about the rest of the series at the end of the show. Let's talk about this game, though. I want to start with the lineup. Uh, Riley Green was not in the lineup. Um, a, a lot of people freaked out. This is, you're like, you're going to have to get used to it. This is just going to happen. Uh, AJ Hinch and Scott Harris both made like abundantly clear. Uh, we talked about it on this show, right? That uh, Riley Green was going to be slowly worked in. He was going to DH a lot, and he probably wasn't going to play six or seven games in a row for a while. So like if, I don't know, I still think it was somewhat calculated, like, oh, let's look ahead. Well, if we do have to bench him, let's make it against the lefty. But like, this was not like, oh, a lefty is on the mound. We're going to sit Riley Green because that's what we do. Riley Green's not a platoon player. The coaching staff doesn't think he's a platoon player. This was a, a, a calculated choice based on, the fact that he's going to get a lot of days off throughout probably the rest of the season, but especially in the next month, he's going to have a, a, quite a few days off. So it's just something we're going to have to get used to. It's unfortunate. He still got a, a the, the bat in his hands twice late in huge moments. Didn't come through either time, unfortunately, but like he still was able to make an impact in the game. And, and he's that like, that's just going to be the reality of the situation for a while. Okay. So I wanted to address that. Uh, let's get into the game itself. I want to talk Tarek Skubal, talk about what went right and what went wrong, because there's a lot more that went wrong. Uh, then we'll get to the offensive side of things, and then we I have to rant about how absolutely horrific the defense was in this baseball game. But first, I got to tell y'all about our friends over at Dave, our new friends over at Dave. At one time or another, we all needed a little financial help, and that's why Dave is great. Dave can get you cash when you need a hand between paychecks and can help you build credit by settling extra cash advances in time. Dave is the banking app that lets that's leveling the financial playing field for everyone. When you download Dave, you can get up to $500 in five minutes or less. No credit check, no late fees. It's part of Dave's extra cash account. Advance the money you need with no interest and then settle up later. Download the Dave app today at dave.com slash MLB. That's dave.com slash MLB. You can get up to $500 in five minutes or less. No credit check, no late fees. Download the Dave app now or go to dave.com slash MLB. New game day shirt, boom, cash back. Food for the tailgate, boom, cash back. Even buying around can earn you cash back when you use your debit card. And yes, we said debit card. With Discover Cashback Debit, everyone can earn cash back on everyday purchases. In sports, it's hard to predict who's taking the win, but you know what's guaranteed to win? Discover Cashback Debit. Did I mention there are no fees, period? This one is a real game changer. Check out transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashbackdebit. Discover Bank, member FDIC. All right, everybody, welcome back here. Segment two of Locked on Tigers. I appreciate you all for tuning in. Thank you for making us your first listen every day. Uh, shout out to the everydayers that do tune in every single day. Um, I, I appreciate you all greatly. And one of the reasons why is because uh, you allow me to spend one whole segment just completely in fan mode, right? Where there's like next to no analysis. and It's just me complaining just to complain. And I, and I have a mic in front of me, right? And then you allow me to transition into analyst mode, right? 
and and it's a it's a smooth transition and I, I appreciate the fact that uh, that I am in a position to be able to do that to really let just both sides of my brain really come out in games like this when both of them do greatly. Um, so Tarek Skubal, so this start was obvious. I mean, obviously it didn't go very well. Final line really quickly. Um, four innings, eight hits, seven earned runs, one walk, three Ks, no, no home runs against 525 ERA on the year. He has zero ERA on the season going into this start. Now his ERA is over five. Um, so the thing with this start was the first two innings, he was spectacular. Like this was really a, a tale of, of two, two innings, a tale of two halves in four innings. Um, and yeah, the first two innings, I thought he was great. And the thing that makes Tarek Skubal so effective is the fastball. And I mean, he has, you know, great stuff. The slider has great movement. His changeup's lethal. Like he has nasty, nasty stuff, obviously. But everything is set up by that fastball. That is a disgusting 96, 97 mile an hour fastball with two seam movement. It's an absolute filthy pitch. Um, And... We talked about this with Matt Manning. I, I made a quote that um, I had some people like reach out today and, and it really resonated with them, which I which I enjoy the fact that it did, is that the the fastball is is so fascinating because like I said yesterday, when it's located well, it's the best pitch in baseball. When it's located poorly, it's the worst pitch in baseball. And I, that was definitely one of the big reasons and one of the big differences rather between the first two innings and, and the latter of, of the, the performance, right? The last two innings um, was fastball command, but really overall command. That was the biggest thing. Uh, th- this went from a, a masterclass, just dicing the Royals up, you know, 97 on the black, getting swings and misses, uh, really setting up lefties with the secondary stuff. He was excellent in the first two innings, just under the first time through the lineup. The third inning wasn't great, but it was horrific defense behind him. We'll get to the defense later. And like, he's still recording outs. I think it was like, okay, horrible play defensively. And then like uh, hit. And, and then it was like fly out, like sack, you know, advance the runner, fly out, sack, fly. Like, you know what I mean? Like that, you know, whatever. It, it was still two to two at that moment. I don't think anyone was really losing sleep over the third inning. The fourth inning was obviously dreadful. And the reason that the fourth inning was so rough was because the command went out the window. If you go back, I mean, seriously, go back and rewatch if you're so inclined. Every single pitch was in the middle of the plate. It was mind-boggling. Like, truly, I, I, I was blown away by how quickly the command vanished. He went from, again, like 97 on the black to just every slider he threw was right down the middle. And every fastball, he couldn't elevate. And, and it was hard of the plate low. I mean, it, it was consistently over and over and over. So that's really all there is to it. Um, as far as, like, overall outlook, this obviously stings on Tuesday, July 18th because we lost the game. And, and the starter gave up our starter gave up seven runs, and that's not good. But overall, big picture, Tarek Skubal, I don't think this start is like alarming. I don't think that this like changes my opinion of the future of Tarek Skubal. I still think he's a phenomenal pitcher that, if he stays healthy, can continue to be a phenomenal pitcher. Um, the first two outings still happened. This was a really, really bad like inning, really. <laughs> 
Like since coming back from his injury, he's had one awful inning and all the rest have been pretty respectable, if not just straight up great. So uh, I'm still not worried about Scooble as a whole, but obviously in a vacuum in this start, that one inning was was awful. Uh, and yeah, just an adjustment that he's going to have to make. It's still only his third outing back. And if you're going by innings, he's only thrown four innings in each outing. That was after not having pitched for a year, like literally a calendar year at the major league level. Uh, that was his 12th inning back from not having pitched in a year. You know what I mean? So like in the context of that, it a little more excusable. Um, so again, I'm trying to separate like game analysis from like big picture Scooble analysis there. Um, but like, yeah, there's no denying in this game. That was a, a really, really costly <laughs> inning to put it lightly. Um, let's go to the offensive side of things. So, well, let's talk about the decision to leave him in first. Um, you know, I, I certainly, I mean, you, you should have pulled him like earlier, like you lost by a run. And if you pulled him earlier, you would have given yourself an opportunity, uh, to, to change that. And if Cisnero was still the first out of your pen, then like you have the opportunity to, but it's really hard for me, and this might not be the correct way to look at things. Like, I, I openly admit that. But it's really hard for me to be like, wow, that one managerial decision really cost us when two more relievers in this game were awful. You know what I mean? Like, it'd be one thing if, if Scooble gave up 7-4 and four and the final, the final score was 10-7, to seven, Tigers. And those were all the runs we gave up. Then you could be like, okay, like that was probably unnecessary. It's really, it's even easier to then point to that and be like, hey, look, like if you, you know, you, you should have pulled them, you left them in too long. Um, but it, it's, it's not like everyone they brought out of the pen was, was phenomenal. <laughs> A lot of rough pitching in this ball game outside of just Tarek Skubal. And they obviously weren't going to go to the high leverage relievers after having give, just given up seven runs and being down seven to two halfway through the game. So it's, I, I agree. I don't, I don't, I don't disagree that he was like left in too long. If you were treating this like a, like a must win, like game seven scenario, obviously he wouldn't have lasted that long. Uh, but I don't think that the decision to leave him in throughout the entire fourth inning was like the sole reason that the Tigers lost or Honestly, in my opinion, maybe even the biggest reason that the Tigers lost. I, I, I think that there's, again, a, a lot of reasons. That was one of them, though. Again, not denying. That that absolutely was one of them. He, he probably should have got pulled sooner. Especially given the fact that you're already kind of short-leashing him anyway. Probably should have. Um, okay, let's move to the offense. Uh, but first, I got to tell you all about our friends over at sleeper yet again our friends over at sleeper are uh the best in the business because if you want a chance to win more money with less picks you can head to sleeper right now where you can win up to 100 times your money on just two or more fantasy baseball picks it's awesome uh like tonight you can i mean there's a lot of angels baseball is crazy lately okay so taking anything on otani is always a fun time you can play the more or less game and talk you know is he going to have more than this number of strikeouts or home runs really at this point for him uh or less it really is fascinating and i've been using sleeper for my like fantasy leagues for a long time now for years and years now and now that they're in the daily fantasy side of things it's just a really natural and easy transition for me and they truly are the best it's such an easy app 
and uh, and they make it really fun and easy to use. So go check it out. And on top of all that, on top of just being great, again, you can win up to 100 times your money. Use promo code LOCKDOWN and you'll get up to a $100 match on your first deposit. Terms and conditions apply. See Sleeper's terms of use for details. Currently operational in over 30 states. Check out Sleeper today. Also going to tell you all about our friends over at Marg's. Sparkling Margaritas. You guys know at this point, I've been looking for an alternative to the White Claws and High Noons of the world. And thank goodness I stumbled upon Marg's. They have refreshing, ready-to-drink sparkling margaritas. And they have become my go-to cocktail of the summer. I think they're the drink of the summer. I've been packing my coolers with them for backyard barbecues, boat trips, uh, days at the beach. You name it, Marg's is, is really the best place for it. And also this fall, they're going to be an awesome tailgate drink as well. So visit SipMargs.com now to find a retailer near you. That's S-I-P-M-A-R-G-S.com to find a retailer near you. Must be 21 and over to enjoy. Cheers, and please drink responsibly. Alrighty, everybody. Welcome back. Third and final segment here, Locked on Tigers. Let's talk about the offense, okay? Javi Baez had a phenomenal game. Uh, I mean, like objectively, doesn't matter where you stand on the aisle of Javi Baez. This was a very, very good baseball game. He went three for four with a walk, made a play in the field that saved a hit and stole what two bases. I mean, he was really doing everything. Um, certainly this doesn't change anybody's outlook of Javi Baez. He has a 590 OPS after this game, right? No one's going around like, oh, we look, he's fixed. He's gonna have to prove it a lot more. Um, but the one, if I was to take one encouraging sign from this game and try to like hyperfixate on it, as I, as I do sometimes, uh, it would be the fact that he pulled a fastball and hit it hard. I, I I'm not exaggerating when I say this. I know I do that sometimes too, but I genuinely am not in this moment of analysis. I legitimately, for real, do not remember the last time that I saw Javi Baez pull a fastball for a hit. Like to the point where I'm not sure it's happened. That feels impossible. Like it, it, that feels like it's impossible. That feels like it can't be true. But I uh, legitimately, I, I, I can't recall a single one if it has happened. So, like, seeing him do that was good. Now, it's also worth noting he swung, like, within the first two pitches every single at-bat. So, like, that doesn't feel sustainable. But, objectively, a good ball game. Those don't happen very often for Javi at the plate. We'll gladly take them when they happen. Um, and he's a difference maker on the base pass when he gets on base, which is why the thing that makes Javi so frustrating to me is not the the antics and and it's not the the style or everything cuz again like he's been that his whole career the the thing that frustrates frustrates me the most about him is that he has the ability to be an absolute game changer like he does he can affect the game when he's on in so many different aspects and he's so talented and he's so athletic and it just it's it's so frustrating to watch him go up there and just be the the I don't I, we don't need to go down the rabbit hole of what has made him struggle again for the third day in a row because I specifically said I wasn't going to do that but it, it's it's games like this where I even get more frustrated honestly because I'm like this is why I'm upset at you. <laughs> 
because you're not a 590 OPS guy. You 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 have literally gotten MVP votes in your career. Like you you have all of the talent in the world to be an electric factory and be a game changer in so many aspects. He stole two bases. You wouldn't even know that he was a good base stealer if you just watched this season of the Tigers because he never makes it to first base. That's what's frustrating. Um, but this was a great game. So we're not going to take anything away from him today. Spencer Torgelson, probably the player of the game, if you were to give out a player of the game. Uh, three hits in five ABs, five RBIs in this ball game for Spencer Torgelson. Absolutely fantastic. I mean, and you can... The thing with with Torque has been pulling the baseball. And there's a few people that are very vocal about uh, the fact that he should be pulling the baseball. And it's... Shout out Jerry. <laughs> He's one of them. Uh, very, probably the most vocal. But it, it's just... It's one of those things where his numbers objectively are significantly better on the pull side, right? If you just look at like his OPS to the pull side, straight up, and to the push side, it's not even close. It's night and day. He's like an elite hitter when, he, when the ball is hit to the, to the left side of the field. And so in this game, he hits the ball in the air to the pull side, and he hits two home runs out of it. Awesome to see. One was smoked. One was a pop-up. I don't really care. I'll take a two-home run game. And then he did go oppo. For a double down the line late, which was great to see as well. So um, it's nice to see him slowly start to turn it around, man. Like this is, it's a process. It certainly doesn't come without some some rough at bats still uh, every once in a while. But I, I mean, over the last, I think it's three weeks, he's got an OPS well over 900. We'll, we'll take that. Uh, his OPS on the season is 726. League average is 730. I'm not throwing a parade for the 1-1 pick being a league average hitter, but he hasn't been even really close to that all season. So I'll gladly take it, okay? Um, Kerry Carpenter starts against a lefty. That's pretty noteworthy. Gets a walk. Uh, he didn't have any hits, but he also, I don't think he looked lost. I don't think he looked like overmatched at the plate. Uh, so I don't really care that he didn't have any hits. I would still put him out there the next lefty they see. Until he looks absolutely like he just doesn't belong up there and looks has puts together some horrible at-bats, I'm going to maintain the belief that I want to see him more against lefties. Eric Haas, really rough game. That transitions us into the defense as well. Uh, he was rough at the plate, but that's really like nothing new. 532 OPS on the season. Um, but it goes without saying, on the defensive side of things, this team was dreadful defensively in this ballgame absolutely dreadful like embarrassingly bad the outfield defense was brutal but there was time and time again really across the board Eric Haas ran one of the worst routes I've seen in quite a while in left field cost him some runs now that pitch was terrible that was a hanging slider right down the middle which should not be not talked about um which is why the ball was smoked but that was a dreadful route and for a team that has so many people that can play outfield, it's just, like, I know you want to play, you're trying to play the matchups offensively, but I'm sorry, Eric Haas does not fit the bill on any matchup offensively. Yeah, I, I, I don't believe that at this point in the season, Eric, and this goes back to an AJ thing as well, like Eric Haas should not be playing outfield. 
if you have to leave him on the roster because you don't have any other catchers to call up, I understand that. I don't like it because he's been unbelievably unproductive. He's been one of the worst hitters in baseball, like objectively this season. But I, I at least understand the logic behind like there is there are just aren't any other catchers, dude. I don't know what to tell you. Okay. But f- putting him in left field is a choice. You have five or six people that can play left field. Like it, it's it's a lot. You have a lot of people that can play left field. So putting him in left is a conscious decision you are making based on offensive matchups. And that I think is inexcusable. And I, you know, most people call me a hinge defender more times than not. Uh, but but there are certainly some things that like I I don't I, I don't uh, I don't believe in blind following. Like I I I don't I'm not just gonna close my eyes and be like, oh yeah, I think Hinch is one of the better managers in baseball, so we can do no wrong. I adamantly disagree with Eric Haas ever playing outfield really ever again for the Detroit Tigers. Unless he turns it around and for the next month has an 850 OPS, right? Hitting would would erase that statement. It would solve it. Then I would understand it. I'd be like, hey, you got to get Haas's bat in the lineup. It's going to come at the cost of some bad plays in left field. That's not an excuse right now. It hasn't been for three months. I hope I articulated that well. Um, he d- would only stay in the game for half of the game, and Akilbadu would come in later. But um, at that point, the damage had been done. He had gone 0 for 2 at the plate, left some runners on, and again, on top of that, made just an absolutely dreadful route in left field that cost the team runs uh, objectively. Uh, Matt Veerling had a really bad route that just like nobody talked about. Had a really bad route in center field as well. Uh, We talk all the time, Matt Veerling. I think he's a plus defender in the corners. I think he's a minus defender in center field. Those are very different positions, and that should not be understated. Like most people just think, oh, if you can play one, you can kind of play all three, or oh, if you can play center, you can play all three. It's not the case. Those are vastly different, all right? And and I think Matt Veerling is the poster child for that point. Um, And then Spencer Torkelson made a bad defensive play. And even though he had five RBIs in this ball game, so like I'm not pinning the game on him. uh, I I mean, there was a really, uh, what was it Baltimore? They used to have the, the high bounce, the Baltimore hop, the Camden hop. Was that Baltimore? I feel like it was one of my, uh, my very great, listeners that are older than I am I'm sure will will tell me what stadium that was but there was a, I swear it was the Orioles um but there was a stadium back in the day that was known for like you just spike the ball into the ground you're gonna get a 30 foot <laughs> bounce up right um so it, that's what that play felt like but Torque sees the ball immediately reacts goes way beyond his range there's a shift happening then the pitcher is going for the ball as well so no one is on first base um, I, I'm not even sure a hundred percent that the ball would have came down in time to make a play. Like genuinely, that's how high of a bounce it was. Um, but still a bad play. So for as much as this team has taken steps in the right direction defensively, and is certainly a far better product on defense than it was last year. And that it's been really over the last several years. Um, they still make some just vomit inducing decisions that really upset me. At least we hit the cutoff today. Um, Let's talk about the bullpen really quickly, and then we'll get out of here. Uh, Really, there's not much to say. Everyone just kind of was awful, except for for Jose Cisnero. Golly, 
I'll tell you what, man. I, I feel bad for Jose Cisnero in this outing because it, it it's just going to get completely overshadowed. That was, without a doubt, comfortably, the best version of Jose Cisnero I have seen in maybe a year and a half. And it's not even particularly close. He was dominant. I want you, I seriously, this is your homework. I want you to go back and just rewatch his outing. Don't bother with the rest of the game, the nonsense. It was a, a, a painful, painful baseball game to watch for nine innings. But go do yourself a favor and rewatch. He was literally dominant. No one could hit anything. He struck out the side. The changeup was the best it's looked maybe since 2021 when he was still like an elite reliever. I mean, I swear to you, that might have been the best Jose Cisnero outing I've seen in two years. And it's just no one's going to talk about it because the rest of the game was such a bleep show. And I feel bad for him for that. Um, well, we'll make up we'll make up for it by uh, trading him to a contender in the next two weeks, uh, giving him some playoff experience. Uh, Bo Brisky in this game was great in his first outing back out of the pen. Really not good in this one. One inning, two hits, two earned runs, one walk, no strikeouts. This is really not rocket science either. He had zero command. And the big thing about Brisky when he was a starter was it's really either change up or like mediocre fastball. Now out of the pen, a lot more velo on that fastball and the change up has always been a plus pitch. So that's great, but there's nothing that's moving side to side. There's nothing that's moving horizontally, right? And so if you're missing your spots as a fastball change up pitcher, you're in trouble because no one is getting fooled with with the spot on the, the barrel, on the bat. This is really hard for me to articulate. No one's getting fooled horizontally with where the, the location of their barrel on the bat is going to be with the ball. It's all vertical, which again, can work if you have a plus fastball and a plus changeup. I love the tunneling of those two pitches. I'm not saying it's impossible, but on outings like tonight, when you don't have command, it can get brutal fast. Because if if they guess right, or if you just don't have it, there, there's no fooling them horizontally with where the barrel of the bat is going to hit the ball. I hope that made sense as well. And then Brennan White, uh, that that's my dog. Like everybody's aware that I'm a pretty big Brennan White fan. Um, th- there's one alarming thing that has reoccurred time and time again throughout Brennan White's entire major league tenure so far. I think the fastball is disgusting. I think when it's high in the zone, especially, it's almost an automatic swing and miss. I think the slider is disgusting. Movement-wise, it is legitimately one of the better pitches in this entire bullpen. The big issue is that his slider creeps its way on the inside half of the plate to righties way too often. It's happened a billion times. Like, and if you go look at pretty much any of the hard contact he's given up in his entire major league career so far, which again is whatever single digit amount of outings at this point, I was probably at past 10 at this point. It's almost, almost not entirely, but almost exclusively changeups to or changeups sliders to righties that are either over middle, the heart of the plate or in low in the zone. Almost all of them. And in this game, they literally all were. So a huge thing, like it, when that slider is low and away to righties, right? When it's when it's glove side, it's a lethal pitch. Even to lefties, if it goes in enough, 
devastating pitch low and in to lefties and low and away to righties. But my goodness, man, it is creeping over to the heart of the plate and low and inside to righties way, 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 way too often. It's like every third slider he throws, I feel like, is 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 low and in to, to on the arm side. So that's a huge thing he needs to fix, and that is why he struggled in this ballgame. The rest of the series, please, for the love of everything, beat the heck out of the Royals. What are we doing? Again, this team is within games of the Oakland Athletics. They are awful. If you want to be taken even remotely seriously... Maybe an easy win against one of the worst teams in recent memory would do that. But if you're looking at the last two games, you gave up 11 runs and lost one. And in the other, you got shut out by a guy who's 1-11 with a 6 ERA. But you came back late and squeaked out a victory. I don't know. What's on your wrist, dude? Okay, that's going to do it. Thanks for making Locked On Tigers your first listen every single day. We're free and available wherever you get your podcasts, including YouTube. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Shout out to the everydayers that do tune in every day. We'll be back tomorrow recapping game three of the Kansas City Royals series. The pitching matchup in that ballgame, 8-10 Eastern time for those wondering. Eduardo Rodriguez versus um, who is going? Oh, it's blank. Oh, no, it's not. Ryan Yarbrough, who is 2-4 with a 5-2-9 ERA in 32 innings with a 1-3 whip. He has 19 strikeouts this season. I swear, I swear to you, if you strike out more than six times against Ryan Yarbrough, I may, I, I don't know. I don't know what I'll do. That's the number. If it's more than six, I'm losing it. I I'm, I'm freaking out. It's that's unexcusable. Okay. We'll be back tomorrow. Peace and love going to Derby's dope. I'll catch y'all then baby. Go Tigers. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.